Holy Spirit, we just, we know you're here. We know that you indwell, Father, within us. But we also know that you move amongst us. And that's my prayer this morning, that you will move amongst your church, your people. Lord, where there's fear or there's concern or there's worry or anxiety, Lord, I pray that you will just hold our hands. Lord, where there's experience of um, perhaps previous things that have gone badly, Lord, I pray that you will just bring healing and love and peace. And this morning, Father, that you speak to us through me, through whatever it requires, Lord, but that you speak to our hearts and that we are a church willing to take a step this morning. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles with you, I um, don't know if it will come up, but if you've got your Bibles, I'll turn them on. It's from Acts 2. It's more just really talking about the Holy Spirit, so you, we won't be unpacking the four verses as such. We're looking at uh, Ephesians 5.18 as well. So Acts 2, 1 to 4, Pentecost, which today is. Happy birthday, church, by the way. Um, when the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So to help with the talk today, I want to use a story. I want to kind of go in and out of a story, if that's okay. My own story, my own testimony when it comes to the filling of the Spirit. Is that okay? And I hope that some of you, it will resonate with some of you. Uh, that's, that's the hope. So it was about 22 years ago when I was 20. I know, believe it or not. I know. So I was about 20. I walked into the big top. Not like physically, but I walked into like the, the door to go into the big top. And there were 8,000 people uh, in this tent. And uh, they were worshipping. And I thought, this is like a glimpse of heaven. Have you ever been there before, that sort of environment? Everyone's just worshipping. I'm going to need interaction, guys. This is how it works. So I know it's not a pantomime, but we can have a bit of interaction. It's all good. I need to know there's a pulse going on, so it's good. Yeah, I walked in, and it was like, oh, this is amazing. I've never experienced this before. It was like heaven, all these beautiful voices, and some maybe not so, but it was great. They were kind of all meshed in. I was at Big Church Festival yesterday, and again, I had those kind of, that kind of that feeling again. This is going to be like heaven. It's amazing. I'm excited for that. And uh, as people were worshipping, people were, I guess, experiencing the presence of God in really powerful ways. Some people were weeping with joy. Some had their arms high. Others kind of looked like they were carrying a box, <laughs> like just this, and I didn't really understand it at the time. Others were praying for each other. Others were turning and praying in tongues as well with each other. And there was other people that were using it to practice their amateur dramatic skills, I'll be honest with you. It just seemed like it was all about them, and look at me, and that's the sort of thing I struggle with. And uh, all of this was overwhelming for me. That wasn't my upbringing. That wasn't my background. That's not what I was used to at all. I kind of was a bit of a, a cynic, I suppose, at heart. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with that a little bit as well. I didn't stay for the whole meeting. You'd probably be surprised. I remember having all these questions buzzing around my head. I was thinking, how could someone be praying in tongues, but there's not an interpreter there to help them. Anyone else ever thought that? Okay, good. We're on the bus. That's great. Right? And then I thought, also, I saw someone had been prayed for, and they were, someone fell backwards. I swear it says in the Bible that you fall onto your knees in the presence of God. You fall down on your face. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. All these questions going on. Up to this point, this wasn't my experience of walking with Jesus. So it didn't feel right. 
You ever felt like that before? I remember going and finding a quiet spot just outside the tent and getting the Bible open and reading 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I thought, that's what they are. They're a clanging cymbal or a gong. It's all about them. Look at them with this kind of external experience of all this kind of thing. They're just a loud noise. I bet you they're not really loving Christians. I bet they don't really love Jesus. Not like me. (laughs) That was tongue-in-cheek, by the way. (laughs) Anyway, I went back the next day, and I just stood there in the worship like this. And uh, I was watching everyone else. And I was just sort of looking around the corner. Some people were on their phones. I thought, oh, I caught one. (laughs) He's not fully focusing on Jesus at all. And I was just spectating, and I was definitely judging, really judging, completely forgot the whole object of worship, who was Jesus. And I was just looking at everyone else. And it was difficult, and it was hard. Have you ever felt like that before? And then we got to the main bit, you know, the teaching bit. (laughs) I thought it might get more last than that. You know, the bit that we really come to church for, that bit. And it was a guest speaker. I don't know who it was. It wasn't the usual speaker. And I don't know if you ever felt like this before. You ever felt like God's just spoken, you're the only person in the room? God's spoken directly, like he's grabbed your cheeks. <laughs> he's like, I'm speaking to you. Has anyone ever had that before? I hope so. And I was like, this is annoying. <laughs> and really uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. The teaching was all about being filled with the Spirit. Something that I knew. I knew, I knew what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. Phrases that I'd heard before. I had it all up here. I've got a, a slide, hopefully, that we can move on to. Here we go. This is what I knew. I'd received the Spirit when I repented and decided to live for Jesus. He forgave me of my sins and the Spirit of God lives in me. We believe that, don't we? The Holy Spirit was a seal and a deposit until Jesus returns. The Holy Spirit unifies me into the family of God. I'm part of a family now through the work of the Spirit. And as part of that family, it's my job to keep harmony with each other through the Spirit, the unity of the Spirit, as it's called. I also knew that the Holy Spirit is a person, John 16. So I knew that when I received the Holy Spirit, I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not bits and pieces and top-ups here and there and everything else, because I knew that Christ dwells within me, so therefore I've got every single spiritual blessing possible. Does that make sense? If you don't know this stuff, you're on a bit of a journey this morning. (laughs) Check it out for yourself. Take a photo of that if you want to go home and read it. I knew this stuff. But what this chap was talking about was more than knowledge. It was going beyond inference and becoming about experience. And I I wasn't sure about that. I wondered, is this what was happening around me? Are people experiencing the Holy Spirit? They knew all this thing, but they're now experiencing the Spirit in, in, in a tangible way. And I was, un- I was unsure and I was nervous. In fact, I'm unsure and I'm nervous even this morning, if that encourages anyone. Fortunately, the speaker went on to unpack some really key things that have drastically changed my walk with God. He explained that the Holy Spirit has many different ministries. These are some of them. He does many different things to and through the believer. He explained that the receiving or the indwelling of the Spirit happens upon salvation. Now, I want to pause here because some people in this room that's okay, don't necessarily believe that. They believe that there's a second experience that you need to have to receive the Spirit. 
a second blessing, if you like. I don't subscribe to that, I won't lie. That's not my current live position. I have more sympathy for it. But this is part of the reason why I've agonized over this today. Because as a growing church, we need to be a church that has unity. We might not believe every single tiny bit of doctrine, but I believe the Holy Spirit indwells us upon salvation. It's not a secondary experience. So instead today, I want to talk about the filling of the Spirit. Because I think the Lord is less interested in the language that we use, but more our desire of our heart to want to be filled with the Spirit regularly. To desire that so that we can walk in the Spirit. So there's kind of two responses today. I want us to maintain harmony as a church. Can we do that through the Spirit? But I want us as well to have a deeper desire of stepping out and allowing the Spirit to fill us. Because I think that's desperately what we need. This is where I was at all those years ago in the tent. I was looking around thinking, they know what I know, but they seem to have something different. There seems to be some level of experience that I think sometimes in church we don't like to talk about, but we shy away from. So it's really fortunate that the, the speaker went on to unpack Ephesians 5, uh, 18. You'll know it. I'll read it. It says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to dissipation. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, as a 19 or 20-year-old back then, I wasn't the cleanest living person in the world. And I heard this verse quite often just as a beating stick. Don't, 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 don't drink. Don't get drunk. It's wrong. I'm not having that conversation today, by the way. But the, the speaker went on to contrast the, 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 and compare the, that verse in terms of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Not in a spiritual intoxication where you lose yourself and start acting all weird, by the way. The indwelling Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings us fruit, and one of those fruits is self-control, so it's not about that. But this word dissipation that it used in that verse is a Greek word, from, uh, and it means asotia, which means reckless living. And we read it in the prodigal son, you know that story? Reckless living, squandering, going off and doing whatever you want, selflessness, selfishness, sorry. And so he was trying to compare these two things, that when you're, you don't have the spirit, you do whatever you like. But when you have the Spirit and you're regularly filled with the Spirit, you're under God's control. And we need regularly to be filled with the Spirit to be under God's control. Am I making sense, church? This is good. And this should be evident. This should be evident in our lives, that we are regularly filled with the Spirit, that we have the Spirit. Not just through the fruits of the Spirit. I'll come on to that in a bit. And I don't mean just positionally as well. You know, when I became a Christian when I was six, or when I was 16, or when I was 60, and so positionally I'm in Christ, and positionally I have the Spirit, totally agree with you. But I mean actively inviting the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit regularly. Let's just unpack Ephesians 5. So a lot of you will know this means go on being filled. That's kind of what they meant. The scholars, the scholars talk about it as go on being filled by the Spirit. It's called a present passive imperative. Say that again. A present passive imperative. You with me? Some of you are loving this bit. I'm not so much. But, um, an imperative. So if you, if you have a job, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to have a job in this room, and your boss says, here's some work, it's imperative that you get this done, you do it, don't you? You do it. You've got to do it. It's an imperative. To be filled with the Spirit, it's an imperative. You need it. You need the Spirit, regular fillings of the Holy Spirit. You need these moments. You need it every day, let alone on just on a Sunday. We need the Holy Spirit's filling regularly for us to be able to walk in step with the Spirit. Amen. 
present. When do you need it? Now. When do you need it? When do you need it? When you're going off for that important job interview, when you're having your conversation with your friend, your partner, you've got a big decision to make, you're sat at lunch, you're at home alone and your laptop's just about to be opened. Some of you know what that feeling is, feels like. You need your spirit now. Now. And it's passive. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about being filled by an external agency, the Holy Spirit, God, being prepared to say, I need more of you. Amen. Amen. In short, you need to cooperate with God and recognize your daily, your momentary, your second, your hourly need for the more of the Spirit of work in your life. And I think this is where it gets difficult for many of us, for all of us, no matter what age tradition we've come from, because to really recognize that we need to be filled now, and then now, and then now, is about saying, therefore, I'm not complete. <laughs> you with me? I'm not the finished article. Because Jesus is the author and perfecter. He's doing things all the time. So I'm not done. So we might be comfortable with our tradition and what we know and everything else and how we've lived our life up to this point. But I'm hoping from today onwards, church, that your life will be changed. Not through anything that I've said, but through the work of the Lord. Because he's got something new to do with you tomorrow if you prepare to submit yourself and yield yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit. In you, but also through you. Through you. This is not just a self thing. But the Spirit will do self-work in you. But it's the, it's the effect of that as well that's just as significant. Paul was talking to a church that were already believers. They already had the Spirit, and yet he's telling this church, keep on being filled. Under the passage of being imitators of God, this Ephesians 6 comes from. Ephesians 5 comes from. Our tagline as a church is what? To learn to live and love like Jesus. If we really are desperate to learn to live and love like Jesus, we need to be filled with the Spirit regularly. Regularly. Otherwise, we're just, we're just going to struggle. It's probably the better way to put it. It'll become things that we think about on a Sunday, and that's it. Momentary things. John 14, 12 to 14. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. We heard this last week about the ascension. He's gone to the Father and he said to you, I'll give you my spirit so you can do even greater things. How many of you have healed people, by the way? <laughs> How many of you have multiplied your lunch into four lunches so you can share it with your work colleagues? <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's going to happen all the time, but how many of you are believing for that? How many of you are living in a way where that might happen? Where you're regularly praying for those opportunities for people? Because that's the ministry that you've been given. We've all been given the ministry to do what Jesus did. Apparently even greater. Not saying we're better than Jesus. Don't misread that. But that's amazing, isn't it? That's why we've been given the Holy Spirit. Because we've been reconciled to be reconcilers. So we need the power. Because then people go, wow, what is it about you that you've got? So that, oh, okay, this is the foot in the door. So I can talk about Jesus. This was difficult for me at 20 years old <laughs> to get my head around because I knew that I needed to be more like Jesus and I knew what I could do to be more like Jesus. 
I knew I needed to share Jesus. I even knew that he loved me, but to act- actively wait on the Spirit to fill me, to allow him to show me that and to lead me into those places was new. The speaker finished and he said, does anyone want to be filled with the Spirit? And I stood up and I'll pause it there because I'll come back to it later on, a bit like a cliffhanger. <laughs> I don't watch EastEnders, but I can do, do, that kind of thing. I want to spend the rest of this talk uh, looking at this idea of being filled with the Spirit or being under the influence. What can it look like when you are filled with the Spirit? To do that, I want to look at two different groups, believers, non-believers, particularly in the book of Acts. I've done a bit of a walkthrough. I've told you I've taken months putting this together. Um, But looking first at John, in John 20, 21 to 22, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and this is going to blow my mind. As it, hopefully it will blow your mind as it will be my mind. This is before Jesus ascends. He says this, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them, and they, he said to them, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is before he ascends. Receive the Holy Spirit. The purpose of filling is for your purpose. We can go to the next slide. The purpose of receiving the Spirit, filling of the Spirit, its main function is for your purpose to go and bring Jesus to other people. And so in John 20, Jesus breathed on them and they received the Spirit and they were given authority to go and forgive sins, not because of anything they'd done, but because of the good news that they were given. They had authority. They received the Spirit, and there was an effect. They had authority, and there was a boldness. In Acts 2, we just read about this. All 120 believers were filled with the Spirit. And how do you know? Because they spoke in tongues. Wait. (laughs) For anyone panics. I'll come back onto that. Some of you are getting itchy at this point. They were able to speak in tongues, languages, because they were on the mission, because they were sent. People had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and the Spirit descends and they, it, it had an effect. They were able to speak a language that they didn't know. It was a miraculous sign. Peter went on to talk about Jesus and people were desperate to hear. Do you see what I'm saying? The miraculous led to the chance to share Jesus. And it says in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit together. 3,000 people were added to that number. That's Holy Spirit-empowered church growth right there. We look around the room and there's chairs here. Do you remember Tim? If you've been here for a while, those of you that have been here for a while, Tim Hancock, his last ever sermon here was those three chairs. He said the kind of the, and he was sat, I think he was sat in the middle chair, wasn't he? And there was like the future chair and there was the, the, the past chair as well. If we want these chairs to be filled, we need the Holy Spirit. We need, we are the answer. I'm not the answer. Don't bring, don't drag someone in front of me and say, well, go and talk about Jesus to him, Jim. You're the answer. <laughs> you read in Acts 4, Peter and John have been thrown into prison because they've been healing someone. In Acts 4.8, Peter, filled with the Spirit, speaks boldly, publicly about Jesus Christ. 
In Acts 4.31, the disciples are together praying, saying, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, exactly the same language as Pentecost, by the way. The same experience and spoke the word of God boldly. My point to refer to that is that in John 20, Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 13, there's other spaces as well, they are regularly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Like it says in Ephesians, the only place we're commanded. But they are being regularly filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's an effect or an event of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some cases you might see tongues, you might see healings, other things, demons being cast out. But this regular filling and these experiences are happening. Why? Because they are on the mission. They are on the mission. The disciples are permanently on a daily mission sharing Jesus. I've got a question. Who here would like to see the miraculous in their life more? Hands up. I'd be amazed if no one does. (laughs) Who would like to be able to know that someone in your workspace has got perhaps someone struggling with an illness or some issue at home? You could say, I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to ask you next week, how's that going? Who wants the boldness to even have that conversation? <laughs> spirit, filling of the Spirit. My belief is the more we live on mission for God, the more we will see the miraculous of God. The more we live on mission for God, the more we will see the miraculous of God. It might not be a normative thing. It might not be every single time. But how many of us are really desperate for miracles more than desperate for the mission? <laughs> Hopefully both. Both. The more we're on mission for God, the more we're prepared to share Jesus Christ, the more I think we'll see the other incredible things happen. Just as an aside about tongues, in case I put anyone's nose out of place. Is tongues a sign that you are filled with the Spirit? Yes, of course it is. Is it everyone's experience? No, it's not. 1 Corinthians, are all apostles, are all prophets, teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gift of healing, do all speak in tongues, do they all interpret? Paul is leading to an obvious answer, which is no, they don't. So there's no one who's super spiritual or better than you or higher than you just because they can speak in tongues. Don't let anyone say that. Clearly the Bible does teach that people can speak in tongues outside of a language as well. You read that in Romans, Corinthians, Jude, Ephesians. I've experienced it myself. I didn't ask for it. I was just singing some worship stuff at home, and within after about 40 minutes or so, I, started, I recognized I was singing something that wasn't the English language. <laughs> I don't know. It was beautiful. Just carried on for about five minutes, that was all. Didn't fabricate it, by the way. Loads of you have known me for a long time. But there is no second-rate believer, by the way. Just because I've done that doesn't mean I'm better than anyone. But I do believe there are effects of being filled with the Spirit. Let's get back to that. And then I'm not referring to the fruit of the Spirit, the indwelling of the believer, the journey over your lifetime of becoming more like Christ, that the fruit of the Spirit gets produced in your life. Talking about the filling, not the indwelling. So, are you still with me? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the, in the book of Acts, and there's other, other books in the New Testament as well, but we're looking today, is when the Spirit is given... This is commonly the different ways that you see it's been read, um, given. So given as a gift to people. It falls upon people. It comes upon people. It's poured out on all people. It's received by people. It baptizes people. It fills people. 
These are all active natures of the Holy Spirit. And we've read some of the language around the disciples already. There's even an account in uh, Acts 8, which, is, which blows my mind a little bit, <laughs> where you have a group of believers who have been baptized, and then Peter and John still have to come, and they have to uh, pray to receive the Spirit. That's probably a completely different sermon. But the point of it is wanting to highlight that when they are filled with the Spirit, there is an effect of the Spirit. And I don't just mean a feeling, by the way, just a lovely, warm feeling. That's not what I'm talking about. There might be a subsequent feeling that you get when you're prayed to be filled with the Spirit. But at Pentecost, they were speaking in tongues and praising the mighty works of God. In Samaria, there was something so obvious about someone being filled with the Holy Spirit that Simon the sorcerer wanted to buy it. <laughs> right? In Acts 10, the house of Cornelius, they were speaking in tongues and praising God. In Acts 19, Paul speaks to the disciples of John the Baptist and there is prophesying. In Acts 13, the disciples were filled with joy as a response to being filled with the Spirit. Who would like to experience joy? <laughs> Acts 3, 9, 14, 16, 20, 28, you see healings, exorcisms, freedom from prison, signs, wonders, miracles. Acts 9, you see a boldness and an empowering to go and witness. Acts 5, you see obedience, being filled with the Spirit and being obedient. Who would like to be more obedient in their walk with Jesus Christ? Who finds it hard and has the same stumbling habits over certain things? Who would like to see the Spirit break chains in your life so that you can be more obedient towards Christ? I would. There's praising, witness, boldness, amazement, miraculous events, tongues and prophesying, obedience, joy, and many, many other things outside of Acts. Luke's point of writing this was that he thinks there's an identifiable thing, an effect, an event that happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You might not speak in tongues, but you will receive power to live for Christ. And it probably will look different in people with different lives. Some of you would have heard of D.L. Moody, hopefully. <laughs> He's an American evangelist, and uh, I've been doing lots of research, as I said. I've got a quote. Anyway, it should come up. He was an American evangelist, and the story goes on. In his younger years, Moody was pastoring a large church in Chicago when a couple of his members began to talk with him about the filling of the Spirit. They told him that he needed this experience, and Moody was insulted. He said later, I thought I had the power of the Spirit. I pastored one of the largest churches in Chicago, and many were getting saved. But as these ladies, two ladies, shared with him about the filling of the Spirit, Moody became hungry for an empowering of the Spirit. Church, are you hungry this morning? for the empowering of the Spirit. It says this. Oh, good. I've got the longer version. I thought I had power. I had the largest congregation in Chicago. I was in, I was in a sense satisfied. Maybe that's your position. I'm satisfied. I've done this all my life. I'm satisfied. But right along those two godly women kept praying for me and the earnest talk about anointing for special service set me thinking. I asked them to come and talk with me and they poured their hearts in prayer that I might receive the filling of the Spirit. There came a great hunger into my soul. I did not know what it was. I began to cry out as I never did before. I really felt that I did not want to live if I could not have this power for service. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred for an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such, I love that word revealed, that's why I'm off the text this year. God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were no different. I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds were converted. 
I would now not be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. Wow. For those of you that know Wesley and, and uh, Martin Jones as well, similar experiences. They can recount these similar experiences of being filled with the Spirit. I love how Moody said he experienced God's love and it was almost too much. Uh, this is a bit dangerous. Can I ask if you've ever, can you put your hand up? If you've prayed to receive God's love and you felt it in a powerful way, can you put your hand up? I could resonate with this. Go back to my story. The speaker invited people to be filled with the Spirit. He went on to say that by being filled with the Spirit, you weren't receiving more of Him. I actually said this earlier and I regret saying it now. You weren't receiving more of Him. You can't receive more of Him. You've, you've received Christ in His fullness. Being filled with the Spirit isn't about receiving more of Him, but receiving more from Him. It's probably a better way to put it, in case the theology doesn't line up. You can't receive more of Him. You receive the fullness of Christ. It's receiving more from Him. Anyway, I could feel my heart pounding. He asked everyone to stand, said, who here would like to be filled with the Spirit? Please put your hand up. And I didn't, but God did. <laughs> I, was like, this, I had this kind of thing. I felt like this must be God's. And then he invited people to come down the front. Naturally, I refused. I thought, if this is legit, <laughs> if this is real, if God really wants this to happen, then he'll send someone to me to pray. Really stubborn, really stubborn, really proud. I put my hand down. Five minutes later, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, did you put your hand up? <laughs> I was like, cheers, God, that's great. Thanks for that. And he just prayed for me. Reluctantly, I said yes. And he prayed for me. He said, can I put my hand on your shoulder? I said, yeah, it's fine. So he did. And he just put his hand on my shoulder. He said, Holy Spirit, come and fill this man to overflowing with your presence. And we waited. And the sea parted and the angels showed. No, nothing of like that. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I didn't, there was nothing happening. You know, I didn't start barking like a dog and running around the place or anything like that at all. It was calm. It was awkward. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was calm. After a few minutes, at that point where we all go, okay, amen, thanks, and you just kind of walk away. <laughs> okay, this is, and his hand got a bit sweaty on my shoulder. He went, Holy Spirit, fill this man to overflowing. He was just patient. Didn't force it or anything. Another few minutes passed. I began to have a sense of God's peace, a sense of his joy. It felt like, I don't know if you've ever had this before, it felt like even though I was in a room of 8,000 people, it was just me and God. There was this like instant intimacy um, that I longed for. Don't get emotional. Sorry. Sorry. This is not dramatic. This is not meant to be dramatic. Oh, this is so important. No, 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 stop it. Oh. Um. Anyway, can you describe it as the, uh, the F word that we don't like to use in church? 
I had a feeling of God's love. It just overwhelmed me. I had the same feeling last night. Wow, the more we love Jesus, the more we live for him. <laughs> he lasted about 20 minutes. Um, the result was, I didn't know anything different, right? The same Bible verses that I knew before, I knew the same afterwards. The difference was the experience of God's love. I now seem to really know it. <laughs> I'd experienced it. And then a fruit of that, if you're looking for fruit of that encounter, by the way, because the fruit of that encounter was I became way more confident in my walk with Jesus. I became way more confident in sharing Jesus. I've used it in testimony times as well. I said earlier that I've agonized over this talk. But that's because I'm aware of how sensitive it is for lots of people. People have walked this journey before and they've been hurt by it. And I recognize that. And they've been let down, they felt, I think, probably scarred by it. I also recognize that I think as a church, there is a growing desire for this being filled with the Spirit in our gathered times together. Like a, I've, I use this back in February, our vision meeting, kind of a filling station, a petrol station where we've driven around all week in our, our cars and we, we run out of petrol We've been trying to live for Jesus as best as we can, but we just need that fresh anointing of his spirit. That's what I want our gathered times to look like. It doesn't need to necessarily look messy and awkward and everything else, but that's what I'm desperate for them to be because our lives are so busy, aren't they? Despite the pace of whatever they might be, we can go out the door and we're immediately thinking about the next thing or doing the next thing. We've got meetings to go to. We've got people to see. And so I, I, gathered times are so important and they're so imperative. That's why it's important to be here every week, church. So we can worship together, we can hear the word together, we can be filled by the Spirit together. And it will look different in the North expression to the South expression. It will look appropriate to both of us as well. But this is the journey that we're on and I, I'm, I'm excited by the journey. And I hope that you are. As I've prepared for today, I'm still within time, brilliant. As I've prepared for today... Um, I joined a Facebook group called Reformed Charismatics. <laughs> There's 30,000 people on this group, right? I thought, I want to learn a few things. Reformed Charismatics. And they, uh, one guy on there I got chatting to um, about this stuff and the journey that I'm on and, and been on and everything. Um, he was a pastor in America and he pointed me towards the, the Baptist Confession of Faith that was written in 1742. And uh, one of the chapters in there, it says about the laying on of hands. And it was for the reception of the Holy Spirit in their gathered times together. They'd actually create space in their worship services where they would stop, they'd wait, they would lay hands on each other, and they would pray, let's receive the Holy Spirit. What for? To confirm, to strengthen, and to comfort each other in Christ Jesus. That's beautiful, isn't it? And for the addition of graces, it says as well. I love that. Time in our gathered spaces where we just stop, we pray. And I don't mean the prayers that are right and they're good, and we should pray about all things, Lord, all kinds of prayers. I don't mean the kind of shopping list prayers, <laughs> you know the ones, or just the thankful prayers, but the prayers that start with, I just need more of the Holy Spirit, as in the sense I need him to reveal more of himself right now. I just need to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit and allow that to wash over me again and again. 
Some of the best prayers are the ones where you've got nothing to pray about, but actually you're just going to say, Spirit, you've put it on my heart what it is I should be praying about. In our prayer times, do we do that? Or do we just go with thank you prayers, which are great, and shopping list prayers, which are also great? Actually, Spirit, what's on your heart for me? So many people say to me, I've got nothing to pray about. I'm like, yes, you have. (laughs) We always need more of the Spirit. (laughs) We always need it. Even if that's your only prayer, just say, can you just pray that I have a filling of the Spirit again because I've got a busy day tomorrow. I need to walk by the Spirit. I need to honor Christ in this area. I don't know, where am I? (laughs) I was chatting to someone the other day about our services. And I think the opportunities for prayer, they, they need to become more. But they are probably the most... Uh, engaged moments, or they could be become the most engaged moments in our services because when it comes to a talk like this it's very one way although I do like interaction um, and in worship sometimes it can feel like it's, it's a group or someone up the front, but with prayer it's really about acknowledging that you need it it's about humbling yourself and it's about submitting yourself and saying I just need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. You're kidding yourself if you say you don't. <laughs> and we've got a prayer station there. I'm sure in the north you pray as well. I know that you do. You can come down the front and pray. People have started to do that more often. You can pray wherever you want. Just pray in your chairs. But praying does two things. You've either got to say, I need prayer, or you've got to stand with someone and pray for them. So this, for me, it could become the most active part of our services, which is the most exciting part of our services because you've got to get up of your chair and you've got to stand with your brother and sister Ephesians says this be prepared you're up against more than you can handle on your own take all the help you can get every weapon God has issued so that what it, when it's all over but the shouting you'll still be on your feet truth, righteousness peace, faith and salvation are more than words learn how to apply them you'll need them throughout your life God's word is an ind- indispensable weapon in the same way So it's an indispensable weapon, is prayer. Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Their focus for praying for each other is because they are on mission. You are on mission. You need people to pray with you. You need prayer. You need the filling of the Holy Spirit. So this is why we're shifting our services around. This is a longer sermon than normal. So it's a bit of a culture conversation with you guys today. We're shortening the front end of our worship service in the south. The north won't look too different to what it is at the moment. Uh, But in this building, when you worship in here, we're shortening the front section. We're going to elongate the end after our actual sermons, our messages, so that we can have more time praying for each other. We can have more time being ministered to by the Holy Spirit. We can have more time for those of you that are active in your prophetic gifts and other gifts as well. We'll have space to come and share that. I'm excited for this culture. I hope that you are. Some of you are thinking, yeah, that's fine. I don't know what that looks like. That's absolutely fine. I'm sure that Andy said earlier about a teaching pastor joining us. He or she, if we don't feel like the current group are the right people, um, will be able to speak into that and teach into that as well so that we can begin to be equipped for that season I think the Lord is bringing us into. But we want to spend more time being able to wait on the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to speak to us because we can just rush off and leave it. Through the Word, as the Word is such a powerful thing, a Spirit-infused Word that might, you just might need the time to sit and think and wait 
and receive prayer. So how do we do this today before we finish? How do we practically be filled with the Spirit? First thing to remember is that God is a God of love. Luke 11, 11, 13 says, Which of you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, will give them a snake instead? Or an egg, you give them a scorpion. If you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We don't need to be fearful in these times where we can pray for each other and we can wait on the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit. Because God is a God of love. When he gives us his spirit, he's pouring out his love. If you ask for his spirit, you will receive his spirit. You might not feel like you receive it. It's got nothing to do with the feeling. There will be an effect of it in your life. Lastly, this is, I believe, for all believers in this church. Despite your maturity, your age, whatever, your tradition, etc. Whether you feel adequate or not, good enough or not. Whether you've done your faith walk up to this point like you've always done it. Can I suggest today it might be a chance just to be open, to be filled with the Spirit and allow something new to happen. I'm going to invite the band up. 11.01. <laughs> so in the Bible, it's quite synonymous. I don't know why, but when people are filled with the Spirit, there tends to be worship happening. I'll go back to Ephesians 5. It says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to dissipation. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Um, you don't have to have the Holy Spirit music playing in the background <laughs> to receive the Holy Spirit. But I just think it helps us to enable to focus on why we're here. Worship builds a throne for God. He inhabits his praise. I don't know what it is, but God loves to hear his people worship him. He draws closer. There's a proximity. The thinness that Andy talked about gets thinner and thinner, it feels like. Although, I mean, he lives in you anyway, so there should be no line. <laughs> worship just enables that space for us to think and to focus. So I'm going to ask the band in a minute to just sing over us. And then I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask for anyone who wants to be filled with the Spirit this morning to stand at that point. Um, and then the worship team, will, we'll, just, we'll just see how it goes. Are we, are we happy for that church, I hope? Before we hear from the band and what they have to sing over us. Questions. Who would like to be confident in sharing the gospel more? Yeah? Who would like to see a habitual sin being broken in your life who is really dry <laughs> they know all the theology but they just they've known it for years but you just need that fresh washing in of the spirit the river of god anyone who wants their soul quenched quenched that's the right word thirst the other one full <laughs> you know where i'm going Let's just pray. I'm going to hand over to the band and then. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here. We don't have to hype you up. We don't have to make this emotional. You are here. And you love to be with your people, your sons and daughters. 
Spirit of Christ, we give you permission. We put aside our pride. We put aside our experience to this date. We put aside our tradition. We put aside what we think is right. And we, we come out into the open. And we ask, Holy Spirit, just fall. Fall in this place. Do what only you can do. Do what you want to do as well, not what we want you to do. May we just have open hearts to what it is that you want to do. Come, Holy Spirit.